Howdy, Rob Lee here, and we're going to get back to the truth in this art, but I want to do a little exercise with you. As you know, the truth in this art is an audio experience, so I'm going to ask you to do something a little different this time and visualize with me. I'm thrilled to reintroduce you to Forged Eatery, a true gem that captures the essence of farm-to-table dining in Baltimore. At Foraged Eatery, they have mastered the art of sourcing local and seasonal ingredients, resulting in a menu that will leave you in awe. Their commitment to quality and to flavor is simply unmatched. Picture yourself, see it's the visual, picture yourself uh, savoring their mushroom stew, a comforting and aromatic dish that transports you to a world of culinary bliss. The depths of flavor and the carefully selected ingredients will tantalize your taste buds. You can swap out and insert the focaccia, which is heavenly, or the irresistible cornmeal fried happy oysters. Each bite is a celebration of culinary mastery. Forged Eatery goes beyond being simply a restaurant. It's an immersive experience where the menu evolves with the seasons. Each visit promises a new and exciting experience for your taste buds, making every moment unforgettable. So, fellow food fans, fellow food lovers, it's time to discover the magic of Forged Eatery. Let their innovative approach to dining and their passion for locally sourced ingredients transport you to a world of culinary excellence. Don't miss out on an extraordinary dining experience. Plan your visit to Forge Eatery today and let your taste buds revel in the true flavors of the season. It's time to indulge in a gastronomic adventure that will leave you craving for more. For more information, visit ForgedEatery.com. Welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. If you're looking for candid, intellectually curious conversations on arts and culture, you found the right place. Today, my guest is a mixed media artist who creates wearable art with a post-apocalyptic influence and created using found objects. Please welcome Adam Droneberg. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rob. Nice to be here. Nice to have you on. Um, and, you know, when I go back to kind of hanging out at the Peel that, that day when we first met, I was like, all right, who's this dude? That's literally what I asked. I asked Jeffrey and I asked Cleo. I was like, where's this dude at? Who is he? Mad Max? What's going on here? But, you know, so that's just a little bit of a taste for the folks listening. I want to dive back in and start off with the very sort of introductory thing. Um some people find it to be a challenge. Other people are like, oh, I can do the whole podcast talking about myself. So I want to invite you to, um, you know, before we get too deep, share your story with us. Where'd you grow up and describe your art background? Uh, yeah. So I, uh, as we were mentioning before we, uh, we came in, I was, I grew up uh, in kind of out in the middle of nowhere up in Frederick. Uh, I've been in Maryland my whole life, um, but I grew up uh, out on a farm. So I kind of, from early age, like, you know, you know, it was on a farm, you know, we, we got by making things work. So from an early age, I had like a lot of experience kind of cobbling things together. Um, and you know, the, the primary, uh, drive was, you know, things just had to work. Um, uh, as I got older, um, I didn't wind up going to uh, college out of high school. Uh, cause I, for some reason, uh, my, uh, I like, the first day of high school, somebody asked me what I wanted to do. And back at 14, I was just like, I don't know, uh, 
cop military, who knows, like, you know, what 14 year old has it figured out. Um, but fortunately I went to college. I didn't do any of that. Um, but when I first got to UMBC, I was doing, I came into, uh, UMBC originally, um, for social studies, uh, because uh, that's what I was doing in community college. Um, I had a fantastic, uh, uh, professor there. And this was also right around the time, like, uh, you know, prop six and, uh, gay marriage was first being legalized. So it was like a really interesting time to be in, uh, and in, into that field. And then I wound up like, I didn't like the, um, I didn't like the textbook aspect of it. I really liked being out talking to people. Um, so I got into American studies, which, uh, I got into because there was a, a class called the road and being the little hipster boy that I was, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was based on Jack Kerouac's the road. So I signed up for it. It's completely blind. And it was actually, it was taught by, uh, Dr. Nicole King. Um, and it was all about, uh, road movies and like their, in, like their influence, how they were like a strict, like, a, like their influence on America media and culture. And I was like, yeah, I like, this is, this is what I want to get my degree in. Yeah. And then I got into the um, like oral history and doing all the audio recording. And through that, I really, I, it really combined what I like doing, which was like being out in the field, but also I got to do um, creative editing. And I really had, you know, I had like no hand in art whatsoever. Right. Um, you know, I, I never fashioned myself as a creative person. You know, I worked outdoors. Um, and I, you know, had, had Jerry rigged stuff all my life, but I never, never in a creative manner until I started doing, um, audio. And yeah. then I got out of, uh, I got out of undergrad and like pretty much everybody, uh, you know, we graduated from one financial crisis to the next. Um, and I wound up selling motorcycles, which I absolutely hate it. Um, <laughs> don't, don't, I, if people who work in sales, more power to them, but I, I, I hated it. So I wound up, uh, going back to Dr. King, who I was, I was close friends with. And, uh, she was like, Oh, you should look up IMDA, the, uh, intermediate digital arts program at UMBC, um, and just go deeper into the audio world. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. So I, I got started in that and just had no idea because it was, you know, again, no, no comprehension of art outside of like one art history class. Um, and I got into this grad program just completely blind. Um, and they saw something in me uh, that I didn't see the first semester because I had no idea how to how to translate audio into this like gallery setting. Sure. Um, this long story to make. The no, point no, no, no. <laughs> um, I was, uh, but on the side, I started, um, I'd always made my Halloween costumes growing up. Um, so I kind of had, you know, I didn't know really how to sew, but I knew, um, basically how things had to go together in order to be wearable. Um, and I, I've always had this like interest in, there was this interest in post-apocalyptic costumes specifically because there was this way about them that, uh, there was, there was no point of failure. I, the, whenever I had materials or anything like that in my studio, uh, the IMDA program, they provide you with a studio. I was always like terrified to touch anything. Mm -hmm. I never wanted to start on anything because I was just like, you know, the typical struggling artist. Well, I don't want to have to keep, I don't want to buy it again if I screw up. And there's this, there's this lovely, like screw it about post-apocalyptic, uh, costuming. That is just, it, it, it is, you just keep kind of, you can kind of keep just chugging away and those mistakes. Um, you can go back and fix them later, but you don't have to try and erase them. Um, so it was a really, 
it was a really good like uh, jumping off point for me uh, to like start working with physical materials and not just live in the digital world with audio. Mm. Um, Cause I just didn't know how to bring sound out back out of the computer. Cause I'm not musically inclined It's all sound effects and stuff like that. Um, and I just, I, I don't know. It was, it was uh, and this was right before the pandemic. So this was the, this was the fall of, of September, 2000, uh, sorry, this was the fall of 2019. Um, and so I made uh, the first one. I still have it in my studio. It's not, you know, it's, it, we all hate our own art. <laughs> um, uh, but I had no idea how to explain this to my faculty, like to the faculty. I was just like, I am this, you know, dark haired bearded guy. And if I present this, they're going to think I am some kind of like paramilitary nut job. Um, <laughs> Like it's not going to, I, I have no way of ex- justifying this. And it, and that was also the, the start of basically how I do my art now is, is make the thing and justify it later. Um, mm. which wound up working really well, thank God. But, um, yeah, I, so I had this thing sitting in my studio during our first grad review day, which is like when the entire faculty, uh, comes down and, and looks at your stuff. And I had done, instead of showing that, had it sitting off to the side, but I had these, uh, photos I had taken, um, all these night times where I was like replacing, um, I was making constellations out of, um, streetlights. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just, it was like the, my first freaking attempt, um, at anything like art related. And it was, it was, I had no idea how to explain it. That was my biggest problem is I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to explain art back to them. Gotcha. Um, but people kept, asking, well, like, what's this in the background? I was terrified to answer that question because, again, like, I don't want you all thinking I'm some kind of paramilitary nut job. Like, what's this uh, flag I see? Like, what are you doing, sir? Yeah, <laughs> and then um, a couple people asked me about it, and uh, I decided I was going to uh, – I, I was like, okay, I've got this final project coming up in this other class that I'm in where we have to um, – we have to, like – it was very open-ended, but we basically had to, like, present, present a piece of – work um is and uh like do it as a media thing or something um so i i dragged this thing in mannequin and all um uh, out to umbc and like in true adhd fashion like came up with what i was going to say in the car before and basically i was like okay i'm going to present this as if i'm a museum curator and i found this thing like post post apocalypse like yeah this will work and it freaking worked. And I don't know why nice. it worked, but everybody was like, Oh, this is, you should keep doing this. And I think once I had that permission that like, you know, how, you know, this is not just like, this isn't just Mad Max for the sake of being that, like you can keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, it, it, it really snowballed out of, out of control after that. But that was, that was the jumping off point. You know, it was um, going in there with absolutely no clue and really, uh, just stumbling my way into this. <laughs> so, and, and thank thank you for walking us through that. Cause it's yeah. like, um, I think going back through and having that sort of like exercise and, you know, expressing like, this is what I do. Cause I, I troll people sometimes. So well, a lot of times, but I troll people where I'm like, describe what you do, but describe it really poorly. Like, yeah, I talk <laughs> to people who are smarter than me. It's like, eh, you know, so walk us through that process, but I really want to key in on like where you source the materials and and things of that nature, since it is composed of like found objects at times. Okay. Uh, Take a beehive and throw a rock at it. That is my thought process when it comes to this stuff. Um, It is, I I am so 
wildly on other either end of the spectrum when it comes to like i have a plan or i have no plan um it usually always starts with so it usually starts i get like really inspired by just something randomly in a piece of media uh i'm a big uh game you know video game um fanboy so usually i'll be playing stuff it's never like the main character it's like some npc off the side i'll see like the corner of a belt i'm like i think i can make that or (laughs) it's like something really obscure like off to the side that 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 i'll catch an eye on um because everybody wants everybody wants to be the hero Mm -hmm. um and you'll see like the first uh, if you saw in the peel like i have a couple of like metal almost like kind of atypical you know typical mercenary looking stuff and i've really been trying to get away from that because it's you know it's been it's as every artist says it's been done um (laughs) but so what i typically do is i will start with some vague idea of kind of uh, I'll talk, I'll start with like one key thing I want on the costume, be it like, um, you know, I'll find like some interesting piece of scrap. Like I have this, uh, Atlas sound, this big, huge metal button that I still am like looking for the right project. I have so many, I hold on to so many little things that I'm like, this is going to be the centerpiece in a project. And I throw it in a drawer and I forget about it. And I find the next thing that's going to be the centerpiece in a project. Um, so I'll start off with like some key things. So for like the one, um, at the peel, there was the one, the trash can hat. I was like, I'm going to make a hat out of a trash can. That's where this thing is going to start. <laughs> um, so I, t- I typically start with like something physical that will kind of define the overall aesthetic. And then I have to really, I, 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 I have to really kind of think about this as an actual person. That was what was, um, as I was going through it, uh, through grad school, was like, I, People kept asking them about, you know, I kept explaining them as characters, not as just individual pieces, but I, I, I described them as if they were a person attached. But when I present them, I very much present them as like empty husk for us to climb into. Um, But if I give them a job, I give them a role in society that kind of defines what they wear. You know, if you're a merchant or you're, you know, you're selling stuff, you're not going to be rolling around in, you know, heavy armor. You're going to be nomadic, things like that. You know, very basic things that I think anybody in like story writing would would ask, but I have to like, actually like put it on a mannequin. Um, so that kind of gets the overall aesthetic. So with the trash can lid, um, I was like, okay, this is, you know, kind of like a trash wizard or like some bizarre, uh, merchant. So I'm just going to keep rolling with that. And my mom had just was like, Oh, I have a bunch of old costume jewelry. Do you want that? I'm like, sure. That's, uh, that's how a lot of, I get a lot of things now is once people find out you do this kind of thing it's like oh i have all these boxes that i don't want to throw away do you want them um and you kind of wind up being like a secondary source of recycling yeah um <laughs> yeah i have a lot of stuff uh, i had a friend that used to work at maryland science center so i have like have a bag of like 500 keys that they were like that don't go to anything anymore and that, like, could, we don't... that could be chain mail or something yeah and that's and that's kind of where a lot of it starts is like i have to it it's a really weird exercise like i walk around the entire like i walk around the world now looking at things of how i can use them <laughs> um and it's as if you, i don't have enough going on in my head sorry i'm like You're off good. in the weeds now um so yeah as so with that the merchant um that was also one I was designing kind of for a friend because I mm-hmm. wanted to like try and like design one for somebody. Um, so I, you know, I asked them like a couple of basic things, um, but it was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, you know, what are things it's, what are things um, that are interesting or striking? 
what are things that are commonly available? You know, you can't have a soldier with a freaking 50 cal. That's not going to, you know, it's it's thinking about things that are are readily available. Keys. Everybody's got keys in their pockets. There's billions of them. Um, Costume jewelry. I think I have, I have a medical alert bracelet. It's, you know, things that are, would reasonably exist. And um, also thinking about how far into this, you know, how, how much is information broken down Mm -hmm. um, that we no longer know what these things are. Uh, which is always fun. Like, how can, how can I misinterpret these things? Um, like the, uh, you know, the shorts as a hood or the trash can lid as a hat, um, you know, little, little things like that. Like, how can I misinterpret them? How can I warp them? I used a, a circuit board to make an arrowhead. Nice. Um, cause you know, we don't make arrowheads on the daily, but you know, circuit boards are nice and sharp if you break them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's the other thing is, is, what could a person reasonably figure out about these things? Like the reason I use metal as armor is not just because we've used it for that in the past, but like we always recognize metal as hard and durable. Um, it, it, it sounds kind of like rudimentary, but those are like really weird things I have to think about. Cause I also keep all of these costumes as functional as humanly possible. You know, the yeah. light that I have that comes over the shoulder of the one actually turns on and has a supply unit, like a power supply unit that actually works. Um, which is basically a big bomb of a battery on the lower back. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's trying to keep track of all that stuff. Um, and sourcing the material, I will go to military surplus stores Mm -hmm. again, because I think it speaks volumes that one of the most abundant materials and cheapest materials out there is military surplus. Um, it's incredibly cheap. It's incredibly abundant and it's durable enough that I can rip it and screw it up and it will still hold together. Um, and then, uh, after, you know, I'll look for like pouches, um, pockets, anything with dimension. Um, like I said, I usually design around one staple piece. And then a lot of it is, uh, me in a mirror holding junk on my body to see how it looks. <laughs> um, that's because a lot of this stuff, I, you know, I'm constantly like, I'm constantly like, getting in and out of this stuff in the studio. So that's another thing I have to think about is how hard is this stuff to get on? Right. Um, the, the one, the only piece I consider an actual soldier is the one with the uh, jackalope on it. And I actually, that was the only one I designed like uh, military armor where it is quick to put, um, it's very secure, but it's rapid release and rapid, rapid on rapid release. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it, so it's like, it's, it's trying to incorporate those things into function. And that's where I think some of the more interesting looks come about, um, is trying to make these things functional with stuff that doesn't want to function. Right. Um, <laughs> none of this stuff wants to go together. Um, <laughs> and for that, and I didn't know how to sew for the first two years I was doing this. I had no, not a single clue. Uh, I think my poor wife tried to teach me like two or three times and I just, just went out of my head. Uh, so I do, a, I do a thing called sewing with screws. Hmm. Uh, which is like with like thicker materials and belts, um, I will cheat instead of trying to like sew through four layers of ballistic weave or, or leather, I will just puncture a hole and put a bolt and then sand it down smooth. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but this is um, going to work. <laughs> yeah. And at the same time, I mean, it's like, you know, how many people are going to know how to sew, um, you know, but we know bolts attach things like it's, it's attaching things, however, whichever way they will, we'll do it. I'm also like not confident enough in my sewing that once I get all this heavy stuff on there, that it's not going to rip I'm yeah. a little bit more confident now. Um, but yeah, it's, um, that is, 
Yeah, my, my me explaining my process is also a bit of a beehive. Um, <laughs> no, but I, but yeah. I but I think that that is. I think in really breaking it down the way that you have, it gives people like a sense of it. Even thinking of the like, I'm trying to forecast it as almost like this version of storytelling and using the the pieces and that I've seen the pieces, and I'm like, oh, okay, that would make sense that this would be bolted because you need something that's going to stay together. And even if you know, in in just kind of forecasting someone wearing this as in a actual scene or something, it's like this could be ripped. A bolt is not being ripped apart like that. That's a little bit more work that's happening. Um, so I, I think that you, you know, this beehive aside, I think that you got it. I think that you gave it to us. Um, so I want to ask you about, um, tweaks. I, I think, um, I think like when, when people get into their process, they always are doing tweaks. And I, I think sometimes it's important to like simplify like the work, like, you know, if I'm looking at this from the perspective of, of art, it's like, all right, all I need at this base level is some microphones and a, and a place to record it and, and some type of interface. And to that, to that end, I have been able to like really scale down what my gear looks like. Cause I would imagine you have a background in audio. If you're having to bring your gear with you, it's just like, this is not going into a backpack. This is actual work. It's like a DJ bringing their stuff. So how do you align like your process or the things that you're doing to, to stay simple to, you know, from a question standpoint, like, was saying there, I need these things to get this end result of this product. What do you need, you know, for, even if it's to get to the idea, is it that one like kind of anchor piece? What is it for you? Don't stay simple. I really don't stay simple at all. <laughs> uh, I am picking, I, I think what has been so fun about this is um, if you ever like look at Adam Savage's videos and you look at like his studio, you will notice just the sheer amount of different tools and different disciplines that he knows. And that has been, I, I've encountered a lot of that is mm -hmm. I now know how to work with leather. I know how to tool leather. I know how to cut it. Cure, I, I know how to work with leather. I now know how to hand sew. Um, I know how to cut and bend and forge metal now, um, which are all things I didn't know three years ago. Um, just all these different things that I keep picking up. And I, and I have a habit of anything new that I get any remote, like just the slightest twinkle of interest in, I go like full hog wild into it. <laughs> um, like I do not, I do not start off simple. Um, the only thing that keeps me really grounded and keeps it, it, it keeps my studio from absolutely exploding is that I try really hard um, on the tool side to keep it as basic as possible because if I start cutting things with a laser cutter they it, it's not it's gonna look, start taking looking sci-fi it's not gonna look it's not gonna look right um, mm -hmm. if that makes sense I try to keep my tools as basic as possible um, outside of a drill press which I only use to get through the metal. Um, and I typically will punch through as much as I can, but when I'm using the thicker stuff, you know, uh, I'm not Thor. Um, <laughs> I can only do so much, but I mean, the first few outfits that I made were made with a, can't remember where my camera is, uh, are made with the first uh, few outfits that I made were, uh, made with an all that has been the number one tool, um, is an all mm -hmm. like a leather, you know, sharp point with a handle, yeah. um, a screwdriver, Phillips, uh, Phillips head screwdriver, um, and a blade, something to cut, uh, that made, oh, and a, uh, and a way to sand the sharp edges on the metal that made the first, uh, two costumes. 
Mm-hmm. Um, outside of, I think I had to use a drill at one point to get to some of the metal, but I had cut the metal, um, with, it'll be the last, it was the last time I ever did it, uh, with, um, hand shears. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if, if you've ever worked with like 26 gauge steel, uh, it is not meant to be cut with hand shears at mm. all, but I was as stubborn. I was so stubborn and I didn't know, I didn't know how to cut metal. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know there was, I didn't know what other better way, uh, you know, at that point, I was just stubbornly going through it. But this is going to work, damn it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I start, I started off with a lot of junk, you know, like stuff to put together, but like my tools have actually remained very, very simple. Um, to this day, the, you know, the most, th- the biggest thing taking up room in my studio is junk, the stuff that I, you know, make the things out of, because there's just no cutting that down because you never know, you never know what you're going to need. Um, but yeah, I, and I, and I, I mentioned it in my thesis as well, that, you know, part of, part of this is keeping it, keeping it as hand tool as possible mm, um, yeah. and keeping it realistic, not just, you know, in the materials, but also in how I make it um, that, that helps keep it simplified. Cause I try not to, I try not to introduce materials that I can't work with. Right. Um, so far, I haven't found too many that I haven't been able to work with um, that would, you know, reasonably be wearable. Um, but yeah i mean that's why you won't see like a lot of really intricate metal cutting in my stuff you won't see like etching in the metal because i just i don't have the tools to do it um and i made that part of it you know i think there's i think you you know with audio you there's always a better microphone there's always something cooler out there um but i think keeping keeping things simple in one aspect of it helps kind of also make like it's part of your your signature yeah i mean like it's definitely making that connection to the audio piece where, you know, I've told people, I was like, yeah, I could use this. I could use that. I have, you know, Adobe and all of that different stuff. Um, Fuse, GarageBand. I was like, kind of just prefer using the Behringer mixer and, you know, using Audacity, if I'm being honest, to, to do it. And, you know, oh my God, why would you use that? Why don't you have a, fi- a Fast Track Pro or a podcaster? Or uh, what is it? A roadcaster rather. It's like, because I don't, I don't use those. And that's just kind of what it is. And I think sometimes that comparative thing kind of gets in the way, you know, and, but it, I want to, I want to ask about that in a moment, but I want to ask you this. And I think this is, you know, this would be like the penultimate question, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, before those rapid fire ones spread that successful people, like people who, and I, and I deem successful people as people that are doing their stuff, you know, they're making it happen. Um, so including artists, entrepreneurs, what have you, there's one thing uh, that whether it's emotion, whether it's skill that they've learned that kind of shines through and it drives them from doing whatever the next thing might be. What is that one thing for you? So I think this, this is the one I, I knew was coming. I didn't know how to succinctly uh, answer it, but I think, so I, I grew up on a, on a farm, um, on a dairy farm. And from a very young age, I, I worked, that was just, you know, I went out with my dad, I fed the calves because, you know, they weren't going to run me over like a full size cow would. Um, but, and then on my mom's side, it was all, they were, you know, my mom, my memo owned like a two, two dump truck trucking company, you know, um, it was all, you know, just, it was very hard work from, from day one. I don't mean that in a bad way, but it was, um, it, it was this, the, and then I, I kept that through, I think is one of the things that I kept, I, I always kind of fell back on no matter how, like how much, like 
crap I was feeling about myself or whenever like school was like, you know, so school was always a struggle as much as, you know, as, as much as I kept going back for more punishment, it was always, school was always hard. Um, but I never, you know, I, I never had to worry about how do I explain this? Cause it's not just work ethic. It's this like, it, it, it's, it's borderline obsession. Um, yeah. and it's, it's, you know, we're all our own worst critic. Yes. Um, but then you get obsessed with something. Um, and to the point where it's almost a problem. Um, I, and I think that's my ability to get interested in something it is as soon as something has my interest, it has all my attention. It has all my time. It has, you know, I will, I will be at my studio and I will be on my feet for like six, eight hours and not realize I haven't sat down. Mm-hmm. Um, I will just, I, the world will blur into the background. And I mean, a lot of people, I think, you know, that are, do anything creative or, or have any kind of passion or anything like that will say the same thing. Um, I always have that struggle of, I don't think I can do that. And then I get into this and it's, it's been a lot of, well, it doesn't matter if I can do it correctly. I just have to, like, if I get part of the way there, it's, it's enough. Mm-hmm. Um, with this stuff, you know, being distressed and being like that, it can be a little messy. It can be a little broken. Um, and I, I think, I think having a practice like this, where I'm, where I'm very allowed to make mistakes when I am a very obsessive person, not a perfectionist, but I'm very obsessive. And, um, in that regard, I think having a practice like this, where I can make mistakes and, um, I can keep making a thing has been really important because I think if I, I think if I continue like with audio, when I was editing audio, I could be up till eight o'clock in the morning running different compression and different EQ. And it's still, and I know in the back of my head, it's still not as good as it could be. Um, but, uh, you know, the show still has to come out. Um, and I think with, with this work is, uh, it's, how do I put it? Um, I don't get, I don't, I don't, I don't get stuck on things as much. I mean, I, I will, I will spend three hours on like an inch of leather, making (laughs) sure that I got that part right. Um, but I won't, um, you know, I won't bother myself that it, you know, it has the same stitching work as somebody that's got, you know, 20 years experience on me or something like that, because it doesn't need to be that. Mm-hmm. Um, and coming from broadcast audio and stuff like that, where like, you know, there are certain like standards that you have to hit. It's, it's very nice to that mistakes can be part of that can be part of the final product. Cause we try so hard in so many different fields to hide our mistakes. Um, and a lot of the times nobody knows they're there to begin with. Um, right. You know, only, you know, they're there to begin with, but I mean, with this work, mistakes are kind of on display. Um, that hood, you know, that, that my crap stitching that I did for the first time ever was part of, you know, how I got this like pointy hat, you know, this pointed look, Oh, I'm sorry. The hood one wasn't on um, display is this piece. Um, that's got a big pair of shorts as a hood. Yeah. Um, and I had no idea how to, how to sew a hood. So I just sewed it and it kind of made this like big wizardy pointed, um, like Gandalf looking thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, I didn't know how to attach the hood. So I did it with two big bolts. And then I added like USB cables that had beads on them to hide that. And so it's just like, is like this, this, this avalanche of mistakes is actually what the design is. It yeah. winds up being, um, 
I don't know if there was an explanation in no, there but, or not. <laughs> no, no, no. But I, but I think part of it, you know, with the with the extent of what's being presented there, it almost feels like no, a person is making this. So, you know, if they're let's say if this was a, a scenario where this is an apocalyptic situation, this is going to be what it is. You know, like and that, I think that lends to the originality to it and the creativeness in that because it feels real even though it's something that is ultimately like fiction is something that comes from your mind that's driven and you know influenced by what do i have around what do i want to see and i dig that you know so yeah i i think and i think that you kind of hit on it uh, i think the hardest thing i had um doing with this project when i was in grad school was calling it art uh and i, st I still sh still struggle saying that i'm an artist now because um it's not like a matter of believing it's just like i've never identified as one um and i think that was the artist the where i think it became art was you know little dumb things like using usb cables um for beadwork you know yeah. trying to combine little it, it, the the quote unquote art uh part of it was these tiny little details um yeah. and i I kind of have to thank the faculty because they, the faculty and other students and people that came to see that were the ones that were defending my work as art more than I was. Um, you know, I, I had a, I had a, a theory in my thesis, you know, it was, this work was ever present. Uh, you know, I made this and then the pandemic hit and, you know, felt very much like the apocalypse. Yeah. And then, you know, I had this armor looking stuff and then the insurrection happened. And now the invasion of Ukraine, it's just, it's been, it, it's constantly, it's unfortunately reflecting our world more and more. And I, it, 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 the, the, and I hadn't, you know, I kept, uh, people kept asking when I started this. And I think at the beginning, no one believed that I started this before the pandemic, right. uh, cause it was too timely. Um, unfortunately, you know, nobody wants a post apocalyptic artwork to be timely. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that was, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's relation to what's going on and the fact that using these um, these recognizable objects, like I, I'll hide things pretty well and, you know, not a, and there is some basic stuff on there, but there are objects that people will recognize in their daily lives. Yeah. Um, and I think seeing those on these like grim, dark, distressed, dirty costumes, um, you know, seeing that, you know, the, the USB charger that they've had their phone plugged into every morning um, used that way or, um, you know, their desk lamp using as a work light that's attached to somebody's shoulder. It's, it's, uh, I think that was always like the eeriness of it was how it was the, the close, how, how close it was to, yeah. to everything. I think we got it. I think we got that. I mean, yeah. even, even the, no, the, even the comparison part, like I wanted to ask about that, but I think it's embedded in the answer. Um, so that brings me to us, us getting to that, that, that those last few questions, those rapid fire questions mm -hmm. that everyone loves. I don't care if they don't love them. I love them. Hence everyone loves them. I will try to give short answers. To no, no, these are kind of almost one word answers. So oh, okay. um, what is your preferred mode of transportation? Motorcycle. I knew that was going to be an answer. That's why I asked it. Um, what is a first world problem that you have? Mm -hmm. mm, um, never enough time for, uh, never enough personal time. Okay. And uh, lastly, what is your favorite drink? I may have read something about whiskey, but yeah, I think I'd ask you. Uh, yeah, uh, Johnny Smoking Gun. Uh, it is a, uh, it, it's a whiskey out of Detroit, uh, and it's it's phenomenal. <laughs> okay, you've you put you've put Rob Lee on, so I'm gonna have to uh, try that. 
Yeah. Uh, if you can find it, um, it's getting a little harder to find, but it's the, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to sound like a sponsor for them. I want people to buy this cause I don't want to be, I don't want it to go away. Um, but no, definitely that, if not that, um, I went, um, any kind, anything with caffeine in it. <laughs> I, I've been on this, uh, vermouth kick. I just, just like vermouth now. Ver, just straight vermouth. Yes. Yeah. How? <laughs> I mean, I put I put a little uh, I put a little seltzer in there sometimes to kind of do a little bit of a spritzer. I mean, uh, I, okay. I enjoy Japanese whiskey. Don't get me wrong. You know, as I yeah. try to make my beard grow a little longer, <laughs> but uh, but I do enjoy that. Um, I had an interview um, a while back with um, Enrique Polaris from the Wine Collective, and he was just like, "Yeah, yeah, vermouth is great." And I was like, "Yeah, it is. It is, isn't it?" So I've just been hooked since. Like dry or sweet? Sweet vermouth. Not, not dry. okay. No, never dry. Dry is poison. Get it out of here. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, God, what? <laughs> There are better things. <laughs> no, no, that, that, that's true. That's true. That's true. I mean, you know, I've I've joked on occasion with some of my friends that that, that my hair does. I was like, look, I drink a shot of whiskey as a pre-workout sometimes. So let's that's the, that's the type of guy I am at this point. Oh, yeah. no, I definitely, I'm definitely getting to that age where it's just like drinking hurts more than it is fun. Um, but uh, no, I mean, I, I've never, I never even thought about just drinking straight vermouth i was a bartender for a little bit yeah. i got a lot of i i got asked to make a lot of weird drinks but that uh never just never just like a like hey can i get a cup of vermouth vermouth and black coffee it's delicious sweet vermouth black coffee you'll thank okay. me later you'll thank me later okay yeah that uh-huh it's delicious I'm, well, I'm, I'm, too curious now, I'm too curious now to try it at this point. Yeah, yeah. That that might be the actual Rob Lee. I have a coffee drink that floats around. It's called the Rob Lee. That actually might be the Rob Lee. Well, okay. <laughs> I will try that. I yeah. think I have, might have some vermouth floating around at home. Yeah, let's make it happen. <laughs> uh, so I want to thank you for being on this podcast. And I want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks where to check you out, where to follow you and learn more about your work and all of that good stuff. Uh, the floor is yours. Yeah. Um, Oh, I'm, I'm terrible with social media management. I do have two Instagrams. I have my regular, uh, Instagram where I'm, you know, it's motorcycles and other nonsense. Um, but I do post a lot of my work up there. Uh, that's, uh, ADM, uh, AD Motoberg. Um, and then my actual real Instagram handle is, uh, Adam Droneberg studio, um, D R O N E B U R G. Um, that one I'm trying to get off the ground a little bit. Um, I still have a website, um, adamdromberg.weebly.com. <laughs> um, uh, that's still mostly just my audio stuff, audio work. Um, yeah. Easiest way is just to keep an eye on, on Instagram. Um, and I around Baltimore, I, you know, um, I try to put this, you know, whenever somebody invites this work on display, I'm, you know, I try never to say no. Um, and you know, I, I try to be, I try to be as generous, uh, with these things as I can, you know, I lend them out to people because they're meant to be worn. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, every now and again, I, I, every now and again, I see them pop up, um, you know, from an event like a year ago, somebody took a picture of, um, yeah, sorry. I'm not, I'm not as findable, findable as some artists. Like I said, it's, um, it's, it's my, it's my unwillingness to devote time to social media. That is what it really is. That actually is part of that first world problem too. Not enough time and too much time being associated with social media. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a problem I'm okay with having though. Yeah. That's uh, if I'm gonna have if I'm not gonna have time for one thing, I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, I I still don't have a Twitter. I've never had a Twitter. 
<laughs> so I'm going to wrap up there. I'm going to wrap yeah. up there. Um, I want to again thank Adam Droneberg for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. Thank you.